Hi, everyone. It's Ashley. Each week here on the deck, you hear raw interviews from family members and investigators who are looking for answers to cases that, for whatever reason, remain unsolved. But unsolved crimes are often unsolved for a reason. Time has cracked and curved around some of these cases for so long that getting answers has become complicated. Well, now, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra is turning back the clock to look at an unsolved case from 1991. She's speaking to investigators, key witnesses, and loved ones who are still searching for answers on how exactly 27-year-old Douglas Wagg Jr. died. But here's the thing. While Delia's investigation for this season of Counterclock started as a look into one man's suspicious death, a string of crimes and other mysterious deaths point to so much more. Tune in each week for new episodes of Counterclock Season 6 wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. State Farm helps you win by helping you create an affordable price just for you. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Our card this week is Ruth Carter the King of Diamonds from Ohio. The woman whose friends called Mama Ruth or Miss Ruthie was only 50 when she was found gunned down in her home on the northwest side of Dayton. Despite several people pointing to a single man as the likely culprit, her case didn't see resolution, not in 1999, not in the decades that followed. But maybe that changes today with you. I'm Ashley Flowers, And this is The Deck. December in Dayton, Ohio, is always cold, and December 13, 1999, was no exception. But even at 10 p.m., 32-year-old Jack Bowsman was braving the chilly weather to make his way to the home of his good friend Ruth Carter. Jack had just gotten off of work, and although 10 p.m. might be a little late for some, Jack, Ruth, and a lot of their friends were night owls. So he wasn't worried about showing up that late. Plus, Ruth had something she wanted him to take care of. Between noon and 12.30, Ruth Carter, he called her Mama Ruth, had called, and she said there was a mouse in her room. She wanted him to come over and get it. He told her he had to go to work at 2, couldn't make it, but he would uh, come back when he got off work at 10 p.m. That was retired Detective Doyle Burke, who's one of the investigators working Ruth's case today. 
He told our reporter that Jack arrived shortly after 10 and let himself in the locked front door with a key that Ruth had given him. When he entered, he was met with relative silence. Normally, the TV would be blaring and Ruth would call out to him when he walked in, but tonight, all that could be heard was the soft chatter of the TV upstairs. As he made his way inside, Jack spotted something else out of the ordinary. Ruth's purse was sitting on the floor by the stairs leading up to the second floor. And this really stuck out to him because she normally kept her purse in her bedroom, never downstairs, just out in the open. Now, I'm not sure what he felt in that moment. Maybe confusion or worry. Maybe he tried to brush the growing list of oddities away as he made his way up the stairs to figure out what was going on. But it didn't take long to find Ruth. The 50-year-old woman was lying on the floor of her bedroom in a pool of blood, wearing a dark blue, almost black t-shirt dress with her hands clasped above her. In that moment, Jack couldn't tell exactly what had happened, just that she was cold and still. He touched her, felt she was cold. He said he immediately knew that she was dead, so he didn't try to move her. He called her mother, then ran out. Jack was running out to get his friend Victor, who was good friends with Ruth, too. And the pair raced back to her home. Once they arrived, Victor checked her pulse, but he didn't feel anything. And this time, they tried to do CPR, and Jack called 911. But once police and paramedics arrived, they quickly realized there was nothing they could do. Although Jack and Victor hadn't realized how Ruth had died, officials at the scene put two and two together when they noticed a shell casing on the floor near Ruth's body. This was a homicide. So they needed to work to figure out what exactly happened here. In Ruth's bedroom, they found a small spatter of blood on the wall where her feet were pointing, in addition to the large pool under her head. There was also a 380 caliber shell casing, along with 15 grams of cocaine, all found in her bedroom. In another room, they found $2 in cash with what appeared to be cocaine residue on them. It turns out Ruth was known to deal drugs, and she allowed her acquaintances to sell out of her apartment, too. This meant there was a pretty regular revolving door of people coming in and out of her home. So other things that they collected, like cigarettes from an ashtray, might not have meant anything in terms of evidence, but they still collected them anyway. Now, of all the things that were collected, it was what they didn't find that was most telling, like a gun or her wallet, which they knew she had. So signs were pointing toward a robbery, either for money or the drugs that she was selling, maybe both. To find the who of all of it, they turned to Jack, the guy who found Ruth and the person they would come to learn probably knew her best. Jack relayed how he'd found Ruth's body and elaborated on how he and Miss Ruthie had been good friends for years. He was over at her place a lot, either hanging out or doing odd jobs for her. He'd actually been over there earlier that morning at like 4 a.m. doing just that, hanging a cabinet and wrapping Christmas presents. Victor backed up Jack's story and added that when he had been over earlier that morning, he noticed that one of Miss Ruthie's purses had actually been laying on a table, but that wasn't there anymore. Now, I'm not clear on if that was the purse that was found on the floor or by the stairs, but knowing how Ruth always kept her purses upstairs, it felt like a detail worth mentioning. He also told detectives that although Ruth lived alone, she'd been married to a man that they hadn't seen in a while. But it doesn't seem like Victor necessarily suspected the ex. And spoiler alert, police look into the ex and he isn't listed as a suspect. But when he and Jack were asked who they thought could have killed Ruth, they both had the same answer. 
Without missing a beat, both men gave the name Damon Flippin. Flippin had been staying with her off and on. She thought that Flippin had stolen some things from her, and she didn't want him back in the house. Jack and Victor told investigators that she was afraid of Damon, so much so that she wanted to get a gun to protect herself. But neither of them knew if she'd actually done that yet. Know who did know, though? Ruth's sister. Detectives spoke with her later that same day, and she told them that she'd recently seen a gun at Ruth's place, one that Ruth told her was a 9 millimeter. But if that was true, it meant that her killer took off with it. Or it meant that her sister was just mistaken. No one else investigators spoke to could confirm that she'd purchased a gun. Not even her son, Lamar, who helped fill in some of the important details about who had access to Ruth's home. He said that his, his mother had a key and Jack Bowsman had a key. And that was the only people he knew would have a key to her residence. Because you've got to remember, the door's not broken down or anything. So, I mean, but she let them in. But that was kind of where the investigation was leading. Did somebody with a key get in or how many people have keys? Or did she, uh, as is the case, let her killer in? Lamar was also instrumental in helping detectives narrow down an estimate of when Ruth was killed. He talked to his mother on the telephone between noon and two. He was at work at the time. Yeah, wanted to know if it'd be okay for him to come over and do some laundry later on. And he did. He went over at about 3 p.m. that day, knocked on the door, but no one answered. He's just estimating the time because, again, there was nothing to really say, I'm going to mark this time down when I came over and knocked on the door. But he said everything seemed okay. After he left, Lamar went to his grandmother's to do his laundry there and tried calling his mom a few times to check in. But she never answered or called back. Detectives believe that she was likely already deceased at that point, a fact that the coroner later confirmed. Based on the state of her body, it's believed that her time of death was in the early afternoon. They also determined that the single gunshot to the back of her head that killed her came from pretty close range. Not point-blank range, but likely within a few feet. Although she'd only been found wearing a t-shirt dress, there doesn't appear to be signs of any kind of sexual assault. At least, it's not mentioned in any of the reports that I've read. And even though they took fingernail clippings and swabs of everything they could, they didn't test them right away. Since this was back in 1999, DNA testing wasn't as readily available as it is today. What was prioritized was getting the spent shell casings off for ballistics testing and then entering those results into Nibin. And wouldn't you know it, when they did that, they got a hit. And all roads led back to Damon Flippin. Texas Pete is the sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It has been at the center of dinner tables since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas P adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. I actually put that dry rub on my chicken last week and loved it. Texas P, sauce like you mean it. 
Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use promo code DECK24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Busy parents have enough on their plates without adding your children's homework to the list as well. IXL is an excellent resource for homework help, which is especially nice for parents who are rusty on school info themselves. And methods have changed over the years, too. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. It's designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. And you get one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. There's a reason why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. A month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring, so now you could get your child the help they need at an affordable price. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And the DECK listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com DECK. Visit IXL.com DECK to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. It turned out that the gun that had been used to kill Ruth had also been used in a shootout on March 25th, 1999, almost nine months before her murder. One person who was injured in that incident was none other than Damon Flippin. Here's retired Detective Dud Roderick, who's working alongside Burke on this case. He was shot in the leg, and it was through and through, so no bullet was recovered, no guns recovered, but two 380 shell casings were recovered. Now, at the time, Damon hadn't been keen on working with police to find whoever shot him. He gave a very vague description of a young black man named Leonard, but that was about it. And so the case just fizzled. And really, it wasn't even clear if he'd been shot with the 380 or if he had been the one using it. But Detective Roderick says that he has a strong feeling he knows who had it. He had to have been the one that had the 380. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense the other way, unless he's lying about Leonard. And he very well could have been. With such a vague description of Leonard, it's totally possible that Leonard didn't exist and Damon was making up a name to keep police off his trail. How he got shot with his own gun is beyond me, but like Roderick said, not a whole lot else makes sense. Either way, once that Nibin hit came back, he wasn't just linked to Ruth through word of mouth. He was forensically linked to her as well. So detectives tracked him down and finally brought him in for an interview. But he did not want to talk. Not about Ruth, not about his shooting, nothing. And with no way to prove that he shot Ruth, or even a way to prove he owned a 380, they had to let him go. Even despite the fact that they had a report come in saying that a man matching Damon's description was seen walking around Dayton on the day of Ruth's murder with a 380 handgun. Slowly over the coming months, her case began to grow cold. Damon was still suspect number one, but he remained uncooperative. It was one of those frustrating cases where investigators just needed one more piece of the puzzle to tie it all together. Fingerprints, proof maybe Damon owned a 380, an eyewitness putting him at the scene of the crime when it happened, anything, but there was none of that. 
And that could have been where Ruth's story ended, had another homicide with eerie similarities not occurred almost a year later. On November 18, 2000, a man named Jerron Ball, who went by Buck, was murdered in his home in Dayton, less than a mile from Ruth's home. Shell casings were recovered at the scene, and when ballistics came back, it turned out that he had been killed with the same gun that had killed Ruth. But unlike Ruth's homicide, I'm not sure if there was anyone who could point to a potential suspect. It would stand to reason that Damon Flippin was likely considered, and I'm sure the similarities of them both being shot in the back of the head wasn't lost on investigators either. But the information that we have about the investigation into his homicide is murky, which is so frustrating. I mean, they had two homicides plus a non-fatal shooting that all involved the same gun, and that gun was likely in the possession of the man numerous witnesses said may have wanted to hurt Ruth. I mean, it feels like there's a there there, right? But it just wasn't that simple. So years began to pass. 2000 turned into 2001, 2002, 3, 4. But then finally something popped in 2005. That's when a young man that we've been asked to call Dave came forward and told police that he knew who killed Ruth Carter. And it wasn't Damon Flippin. Now at first, it seems like the officer he originally spoke to didn't take him very seriously. Dave, at some point in time, voluntarily entered himself into a mental health facility, which can cause some concern, but that's not uncommon either for someone. You're given a lot of information about a lot of people that are murderers of just going somewhere where you're a little safer. But when that officer compared the details Dave gave to the incident report about Ruth's murder, they realized there might have been more to his story than they first thought. So homicide investigators brought him in for an interview. He claimed that two people he knew were responsible for Ruth's death. Two young men that we're going to call Mike and Tony. And he says that a third man, Justin Turner, supplied the gun, which he described as being a 32, not a 380. But that piece wasn't too concerning to investigators because a 32 is actually the same size as a 380, so it's easy to mistake one for the other. Dave just gives information kind of generalistic stuff on Mike and Tony and Justin, that they were in and out of prisons. He believes Tony was in for drugs. Uh, he's not sure what Mike was in for, but they all have been released. And he says that Tony actually shot Ruth Carter and that Mike was there and that Justin Turner had provided the gun. Speaking of that 380, Dave told investigators Mike had actually been the one who killed Buck with that same gun. But he says the gun wasn't around anymore. After Buck's murder, it was thrown into a river that runs through Island Metro Park on the north side of downtown Dayton. When asked why they'd killed Ruth, Dave said it was all for drugs. They all bought from her, and Mike and Tony thought that she had a large stash, large enough that they were willing to kill for it. He told detectives that Ruth didn't end up having the drugs that Mike and Tony wanted. In fact, all they could find was 500 bucks, which they split evenly between them. Dave also mentioned that Ruth's homicide really impacted Tony specifically. So much so that he'd even walked in once on Tony trying to take his own life. But he hadn't, and he was still alive, as was Mike. The thing is, back then, no one ran with this. Likely because Dave had admitted himself to that psychiatric facility. 
Now, it's not a big deal to the current detectives today, but back then it was a big deal. And so no one ever spoke to Tony or Mike about Ruth or Buck's murders. They don't seem to have even searched the river for the gun. They also weren't interviewed when Justin Turner, the man Dave said supplied Mike and Tony with the weapon that killed Ruth, was murdered himself nearly a year later in 2006 with a 9mm, which, if you remember, is the same type of gun that may or may not have been taken from Ruth's home. But again, even then, nothing happened. Justin's case went cold, and Ruth and Buck's just got colder. By 2008, in an effort to drum up something, those fingernail clippings and swabs from Ruth's autopsy were finally tested, along with cigarettes found in the ashtray. And they did yield some interesting results. There's unknown male DNA from Carter's fingernail scrapings, but I don't know that that's going to to do any good for us. He says that because this wasn't an up-close and personal crime, it's possible Ruth died without ever making contact with her killer. But the cigarettes came back with three profiles too, and they think that might mean something. Now, the profiles from the cigarettes don't match the unknown male DNA from her fingernails. They don't know what that means just yet, if anything. But they do think it's important to find the people who have the same DNA profiles as the ones found on the cigarettes, because that at least puts those people in her home. They submitted all the DNA to CODIS, but that was another dead end. Maybe if they ever got Mike or Tony's DNA for comparison, it could at least prove that they were in her apartment around the time she was killed. But if what Dave said back in 2005 was true, I mean, they all bought drugs from Ruth anyway, so them being in her home wasn't exactly proof of her murder. And speaking of Dave, in 2008, he wanted to talk again. Dayton investigators were contacted by police in Xenia, Ohio, roughly 20 minutes away. Xenia said they had Dave there on a domestic violence charge, and he wanted to give them information on a few murders, hopefully to help him out of the DV case. Ruth's case was one of them, and this time he gave them a lot more to work with. I can remember sitting in my high school Spanish class, looking down at the ground, just hoping, desperately hoping, I wouldn't get called on. Because languages have never come easy for me. And even after all those years of studying in school, I felt so insecure. Then as my husband and I started exploring international travel recently, he convinced me that it was time to give language another try. So naturally, we found Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages, and they have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing your words. As my family continues to explore future travel, I know I'm going to take advantage of that because I want to feel as confident and respectful as possible. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the deck listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com deck. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash deck today. When it comes to your health, there should be no compromises. Don't go back to that doctor who doesn't fully listen to you or rushes through your appointment. Instead, check out ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. 
Search by location, availability, and insurance. No compromises. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. And you don't have to wait forever to get in with someone good. When I looked online, the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score some same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com deck and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash deck. ZocDoc dot com slash deck. Dave says that Mike and Tony told her that there was a mouse in the house and she should look down. They, they said, there's the mouse. So when she looked down, Tony shot her in the back of the head. She took a breath and then fell down. Dave, he said it was on the news that they found her. He adds then that the money they got, again, he'd already said $500, he's been consistent, was in a black pouch that they took from her. The comment about the mouse piqued their interest because if you remember, that's the whole reason Jack said he'd gone over to Ruth's to begin with, to get the mouse. Only someone who knew her or had talked to her close to the time of her death would have known that. It also struck investigators how similar his 2008 statement was compared to the one he gave in 2005. I mean, sure, some details were a little different, but the core of his story never changed. He just elaborated on the details. He also spoke in more detail on the motive. He says that the big dope boys, I mean, the suppliers for all of them, came to her. Miss Ruthie's house. And so they were hoping that the big dope boys had given her a lot of dope to sell. So they were hoping for more than what they got. But there were a number of reasons to go there that night. He added in 2008 that Miss Ruthie got her drugs from the same guys that they went to all the time. So, I mean, they're all intertwined uh, in the drug world. Now, you might be wondering how Dave knew all this. Well, he says that the day Ruth was killed, he and his cousin, who he wouldn't name, were sitting on the stairs at their house smoking when suddenly Mike and Tony burst through the door. They didn't seem to realize that Dave and his cousin were there and they were talking about Ruth's murder and how they had taken the $500 and a small amount of weed from her. In that moment, Dave said he didn't really know what to think. But later, they saw that Ruth's homicide had made the local news, and then he realized that they had been serious. So, you'd think that this would push investigators to actually bring Mike and Tony in for an interview, right? Wrong. Apparently, Dave's previous admittance to that psychiatric facility was still giving people pause in 2008, same as it did in 2005. And the same thing happened when he came forward in 2010 again, with pretty much the same story. Although this time, he did name that cousin he was on the stairs with. We're going to call that cousin Sam. And this time around, Dave didn't just have information on Ruth's murder. He told them how Buck's murder happened, too. Dave says in relationship to Buck's homicide... He said he had an ounce of crack, and the money that he wanted for it, Sam thought was outrageous to have to pay. So they tricked him into a deal, and Tony went into the bathroom and came out. It was at that point, Sam said, look out the window, I think the police are coming. 
and Sam said when he looked out the window, he shot him, and then they ran out with the dope and a little bit of money and two bags of weed. So it's the same gun, and it's the same MO of getting their attention diverted to something else so their back is exposed and they can shoot them in the back and kill them and take what they want and leave. Dave touched on one more murder in his 2010 statement, Justin Turner's in 2006. Now, Justin had been in prison and had gotten out shortly before his death. And according to Dave, it was Tony and Mike who'd killed him, possibly so he wouldn't tell anyone that they had been responsible for Ruth's death. Now, like I said earlier, Justin had been killed with a 9mm. And even though that's a common caliber, Detective Burke thinks that he knows where they got it. Justin is shot and killed with a 9mm. I know it's a, it's a far stretch, but he's incremental uh, and involved in all three of these others in one way or another on the outside or the inside, and a 9mm is taken from Carter's homicide. Now, I know that was a lot of information, so let me just give you a quick recap. According to Dave, you've got these three guys, Mike, Tony, and then his cousin Sam. Dave claimed that Mike was involved in the murders of Ruth Carter in 1999 and Justin Turner in 2006. Tony was involved in Ruth Carter's murder, Justin Turner's murder, and Buck Ball's murder in 2000. And then there's Sam, who Dave said was involved in only Buck's homicide. What is the common denominator besides the evidence in all these? They all sell drugs, including Miss Ruthie, it's what she was known as, Ruth Carter, who's 60. The 380 casings match Carter, Ball, and Flippin. The only one that wasn't killed by the 380 is Justin Turner. He's killed with a 9mm, and there was a 9mm taken in the Ruth Carter homicide. Don't know if it's the same, because we never had it before, and we don't have it now. Now, I'm sure by this point, you can probably guess what I'm going to say next. Mike, Tony, and Sam weren't brought in for interviews. Neither the 380 nor the 9mm were found, and there wasn't even a search for them. They all went on to serve sentences for other charges. Tony's actually still incarcerated on an aggravated robbery charge from 2015, which brought up kind of an interesting point for me. Since aggravated robbery is a felony, his DNA should be in CODIS, I would hope, which means that they should be able to compare his DNA to the sample from under Ruth's fingernails and the ones on the cigarettes. But retired detectives Burke and Roderick told our reporter that it's not always that cut and dry. Yes, they should have his DNA. But holdups in the system or just a lack of due diligence might mean that it's still not in the system. It's something that they want to double check just to be sure. But until they do, Ruth's murder and Buck's and Justin's all remain unsolved. And how Damon Flippin's shooting fits into all of this is still a bit of a mystery on its own as well. They don't think Damon killed Ruth, but maybe if they knew more about his shooting, it would help. Burke and Roderick have plans to re-interview Dave and to finally bring Tony and Mike in for interviews. They also want to compare those DNA samples to the guys in question just in case any of them match. Additionally, they're hopeful that the attention the debt can bring to Ruth's case might help them put together the final few pieces of this puzzle. No one, I can say with some certainty, had ever put out these cases were involved together or linked together by anything. I guarantee you that's never been made public knowledge until now. But I think it's 
beneficial in trying to solve it. If you have any information about the murder of Ruth Carter or any of the other cases I mentioned, Jerron Buckball or Justin Turner, please call the Dayton Police Department Cold Case Unit at 937-333-7109. The Deck is an Audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Love is more than a day on the calendar or a sign-off on a letter. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that radiate with your love from every angle. With Pandora's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to show what's in your heart. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with handwritten charms or a personal engraving. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love.